Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. It is the day after Election Day, Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. I'm John Podhoritz, the editor of Commentary. With me, as always, executive editor, Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Media commentary columnist and American Enterprise Institute fellow, Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. An associate editor and author of The Rise of the New Puritans, Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. You know, we spend two years talking about what's going to happen in an election, and then in one day we find out what's happening in an election. And it's, of course, the key fact is that we have absolutely no idea what's going to happen in an election. We are operating on fake, false data that can be massaged in all kinds of ways that that are uh, speculative and future-leaning and do not reflect what is going to happen either in the, if you now want to talk about it really as a three-week period in which people now vote in the United States. But I think it's important to note that um, the electorate is very interesting. We have now had four really interesting elections in a row in which the electorate did unexpected things, each of which has to be interpreted in its own way, and that every time we try to fit the electorate into a box and say, look, this is what history shows, midterms have always done this, or, you know, no one's ever going to vote for that, and no one's going to vote for a stroke victim, no one's going to vote for somebody who, you know, who talked about dragging her by the pee, no one's going to, no one's going to do this, it's just not the way it happens, it's not the way it's done, and we are shamed, or at least I am, every time by the arrogance with which we presume to understand what I think Dave, uh, Michael McDonald, the election counter, says is 118 million people, uh, you know, last night in the count, either last night or during the early voting, uh, spoke across the country. And what they said was very interesting. And nobody anticipated what they said. I mean, he, this is really important because this election has a lot of cross currents. And nobody got it right, and you know why? Because we don't know what a what a what a collective rendering is going to be. This is a very complicated country, and the results are very complicated. And we're always trying to say, no, no, no. As we did Monday, as we did, yeah, on Monday morning with Steve Kornacki, like, look, I mean, the fundamentals, the fundamentals. You know, I I was yesterday in this whole realm of mine where I said, look, they spent sixteen billion dollars on the election. And it's all going to come down to the fundamentals, which means they didn't need to spend a cent because what was baked in the cake from the political situation, the president's approval rating, the generic ballot, the direction of the country, the condition of the economy, said Republican wave. And guess what? God is not mocked. Like you do, you think you know, you think you know how things are going to go. And uh, and you are, uh, you know, humbled every time. So I was humbled. Um, I'm really glad we didn't do predictions. We were talking about doing predictions, and I'm glad we didn't do predictions. Some of our friends did predictions. Didn't come out well for them. So um, I want to pose a series of questions to my colleagues here, to you guys, okay? Um, based on what we were, we were busily <laughs> group chatting each other last night, uh, watching as the... Okay, so let, let's say this. Was there a tsunami? Yes or no? no? No. Well, two. There were two competing yes, tsunamis. There was. There was a tsunami in one state. Oh. In Florida. 
in the third largest state in the United States. Yes, in Florida, my home state. There was yes. a tsunami. Right. Okay. So there was one tsunami. There was no national tsunami, but there was a tsunami. So again, very interesting result. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this before in which one state and an important state takes a wild swing in one direction, 20 points. Can DeSantis we just, wins by, he won by half a point in 2018. And we got to break out a few of those numbers. He won 57% of Hispanic voters, 52% of women voters, 58% of suburban voters, and 52% of independent voters. That's that's something. That's right. really something. And Miami-Dade okay. County. <laughs> right. Okay. So there was, so was there a national wave? Right? The answer is obviously no. Unless you want to consider an anti-wave kind of a wave, because I think this is what we decided last night. And Noah, maybe you want to dilate on this. This was an anti-wave. Wasn't a Democratic sweep. Wasn't a Republican sweep. There were terms and conditions and circumstances that would have led everybody to believe there were not everybody, but most people to believe there would be a Republican wave. And it didn't happen. And it didn't happen because of counterforce, not because of naturally occurring conditions. So Noah, how do we how do we characterize the anti-wave? It's a good it's a good question. <clears throat> it was in my view two two competing waves um that generally canceled each other out on the national level. Um and I don't know how the issue set that animated Democrats um uh, was not captured by conventional measures of this level of enthusiasm. Steve alluded to it briefly, <clears throat> but it was so late that it probably just did not register uh, in the way that, you know, right. I think what you're referring to is that Steve Kornacki on Monday said, look, everything looks like a way, but there is this number. There is this number in our final poll, in the NBC News final poll. Democrats have now matched Republicans in enthusiasm. That is not normal. In you know a midterm election for the in party to m match the enthusiasm of the out party, and under these conditions, and so you know like that. That's what 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 Steve said. That was that one number, which meant implicitly, if you looked at that number, you would have said, well, the poll got it wrong. You know, I mean, it just got it wrong. Republicans are more enthusiastic because if Democrats are equally enthusiastic, as I've been saying for six years now since Trump became president. Whatever the circumstances of Trump winning the presidency, there are still more Democrats than Republicans in the United States. There are still more Democrats than Republicans in the United States. So if Democrats turn out, Democrats win. Republicans have to break have to break through the I would, Democratic. I would, I would struggle. I would, I would actually clarify that characterization a little bit to suggest there are actually more independents than anybody, but there are independent leaners in both directions. And according to the early preliminary exits, Democrats actually won independence, which is entirely ahistorical for this for a midterm for a midterm yeah. election in a president's first term. Um, <clears throat> and that suggests that they were able to subordinate all their genuine concerns about the prevailing conditions, the issue set that animated Republicans. Um, this, uh, you know, the, the crime economy, immigration, what have you, and we'll get to that. But if there's a clear signal this election result sends, it is that. Republican candidates who have some legitimate claim to conventionality in one form or another 
did reasonably well. The table flipping neophytes, who the populist wing of the party is very attracted to, did not. And okay, well, you know what? I want to. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to <laughs> hold off on that. That is, I, I think we want to conclude in a big way on this podcast with that subject. And we're going to do I don't a think we lot can conclude on it. it. We've got to dilate on that one for a very long time. But we sure. are going to dilate it. And when I say conclude, I mean, like, you know, the second half of the podcast. Yeah. Now I'm like giving you my, you know, like we're, we're talking stage about direction. the stage directions. Right. So <laughs> let's not do that. But I, I so but you're right. So there were waves and counter waves. Um, here's what the question is, why everybody got this wrong. Um. And as I said, the answer is that it's something happened here that is unprecedented. On the other hand, as people do say, and as Nate Silver says, the number of actual data points in elections, in national elections, is really not that many. Like since 1946, right, there, there are two, there's an election every two years that's, you know, 75, 74, 76 years. So that's, uh, what is that? That's uh, 38 elections. 38 is not a large data set, you know? And so you make a mistake. Well, in midterms, that would be 19. There are 19 midterms since 1946. Um, you make I, a mistake I, by trying to take 19 data points and say there is an iron law that is being created here. Statistically, you wouldn't say that you know 13 out of 19 means much of anything i would have gotten this wrong uh personally i think regardless of what the data said because i in making my own assessment was correcting for past mistakes um in <laughs> in data collection right uh -huh. and right. and i had a set i had a sort of theory about where those mistakes tended to be in what direction they tended to go and i was always going to going to give republicans i don't know plus five or so um, and and take anything to the contrary. Same here. I did the exact same yeah. thing. I think we're all in good company because it seems like pollsters did something very similar. <clears throat> Some pollsters. I mean, the cumulative it effect. Is time, right. It is time now to acknowledge that last week, New York Times and Siena came out with polls of the four, you know, four swing state Senate seats. And it appears they got it exactly right. I mean, within, you know, within a point or two, since we still have two, outs I think we have three outstanding results, right? We have Georgia, that's which is almost certainly going to run off. We have Arizona and we have Nevada. But they they polled all this stuff and they and they got it right. And it is actually the case that the zone was flooded with garbage polls and this is an interesting phenomenon right so the zone was flooded with garbage polls goodbye trafalgar i don't want to hear robert kahaley's name ever again he made up numbers he had tiffany smiley winning by four or something like that in washington state she lost by 12 i mean this is not you know all over the place mysteriously every republican in the trafalgar poll like did you know, like one you know, so uh, but there were a lot. There's a lot of this. There was a lot of this going on in 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 New York with Zeldin and other things. And it's interesting because yeah, it changes the storyline and it gets people nervous and all of that. But 
Come on, 118 million people voted. So you're trying to create an atmosphere on Twitter where where the where the polling elite and people who pay attention to polls are going, oh, things are looking very rough. You know, you could really you could really see a circumstance in which Joe Day in Colorado is really going to pull it out, right? What does that do? Like millions of people are going to vote. You think they're actually their mood, their spirit is actually changed? By some dumbass poll that gets tweeted out and, you know, 15 people on Twitter get all head up about it and yell at each other about it. What a waste of time. Why do you want to why do you want to add crappy data to a national portrait? What's the purpose of it? You're going to be discredited by the results of the election. You think you're really going to affect a state like Georgia? by saying that Herschel Walker is going to win by three when there's no way that the data showed him winning by well, three. We don't, we don't know what the, I mean, these guys are in the I field know. for a week before the poll comes out they apply their special magic to it, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> you know, Quinnipiac, which found a, like a four point race in New York might've found a four point race in New York, but it was a four point race October, in New York in the third week it of October. It was a four point race in the, I mean, it was basically, it's a five, but that sort of thing is a self-fulfilling prophecy, I'm saying, is that when you you know identify that kind of momentum, you get counter-momentum. It's, it's also true. not a conversation that the 118, most of the 118 million people who voted even participate right. in. It is an elite conversation among people who follow politics like sports, like we do for fun, but also people who have it as their professional purview and who want, of course, lucrative contracts from candidates, uh, current and future, to pay them to give them polling data and internal polls and whatnot. But I mean, I, I actually think there were some hints here that uh, both both parties have missed a lot of these hints about how dissatisfied a lot of Americans are with both parties, right? We didn't talk, we haven't talked about this a lot. It's it's a perennial problem, but the level of dissatisfaction, mistrust, and just intense dislike on the edges of both parties in terms of extremism, in terms of the, you know, the messaging of, of I mean, I, I really fear that this is going to lead a lot of Democrats foolhardy, in a foolhardy way to double down on their democracy and peril messaging. Um, that's unappealing to a lot of Why is that foolhardy? Left. I think it's foolhardy because I don't think most people believe it. And I think it's 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 breeding a kind of cynicism among left leaning independent voters in the same way that Trumpism breeds a lot of cynicism towards right leaning independent voters. I mean, that's all going to shake out in two more years. But I just there people don't really like a lot of these people on either side of the aisle. There is a vast middle that I think this election kind of got it. We got a glimpse of it. And the future elections, particularly in two years, are going to show us more of that. I got to argue with you. I don't think that's true. I don't think we have any indication that Dobbs is what did it. Dobbs blew it in Kentucky. And yet, yeah, no, I know. I'm not saying about Dobbs. I'm yeah, saying the so party. So, what is the People's... issue set that animated independent voters to I, to frustration with, with both parties? They just don't. I, they don't like politics on either side. I mean, I don't think they like a lot of the candidates that are put up by either team. I mean, there's just a general. It takes level a lot to subordinate your frustration with the current crime environment, with your de decreasing purchasing power on a daily basis, with gas prices, all the, the quote unquote fundamentals. They subordinated that to something. Right. And I can't imagine that it wasn't the unpalatability of the election denying Republicans. And by the way, Democrats who threw money at election denying Republicans deserve all the ROI they're getting today with the best invest, most cynical investment you could have made, but the best one ever. And sends about this as clear a signal off as you with them. This has been paying off with for them for 12 years now. You know? Uh, they boosted Sharon Angle. Harry Reid wins in 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 ten. They boosted um, 
uh, Todd Akin uh, and uh, what's her face? McCaskill wins in 12, like over Murdoch boosted Murdoch Donnelly wins in Indiana, like over and over and over again. This is a smart play. It turns out, and we were all outraged by it and talked about it a lot. And then, you know, thought, well, okay, you're going to get what you wished for in Don Boldick. And guess what? Don Boldick lost by 10 points. Why were we also? Why were we also sort of convinced that Boldick was going to win? I'll tell win? you why. I tell you why okay. because I didn't believe that ticket splitting to the degree we saw last night was a was a phenomenon that you could see in 2022. We saw ticket splitting to it in in not just Republicans. You saw it in Pennsylvania. I was convinced that the top of the ticket would drag a lot of these people over the over the threshold in ways that their own candidacies could not, and that just didn't. Voters were more discerning than I gave them credit for. I don't know. I think I think you could make a case that Shapiro dragged Fetterman over the finish line. I think it's possible. I mean, uh, uh, Shapiro <laughs> won by eleven. Fetterman won by by, by two. Okay. So anyway, uh, we should. Okay. I think if you look, the reason to know five hours before they declared it for Fetterman that Fetterman was going to win is that in the exit poll uh, at eight o'clock, I mean, it was preliminary, but whatever, when they asked people in Pennsylvania what the key issue was in the race or what was the most important issue facing Pennsylvania, the, the plurality said abortion, didn't say inflation. I mean, right there, I look back at our text chain. That's I said, like, it's over. <laughs> there it is. You know, Fetterman can't. I mean, I don't know how how Oz wins if if abortion abortion was the stand in issue for I'm voting Democratic as far as I can tell. Right. I mean, I think basically. So um, let's talk about this issue of the economy. You Noah, you've been saying for two weeks Look, here's the thing about the Republican issue set. The Republicans are going to win. And then there's not a lot they can do. Like they can't they can't fix inflation and there's no federal or role crime in or crime. immigration. Right. Well, they can do immigration. Immigration is something that that is a is a national issue. But let's take crime. Not a legislative legislative issue. Okay. They can try Fair to enough, put a gun but... to the head of the executive branch, but they can only do so much. Right. Okay. So right. So we have crime, inflation, general economic you know, dissatisfaction, right? Um, you said, so maybe once again, we underestimate the intelligence of the electorate. Maybe the electorate looked at this and said, what are they going to do for me? My purchasing power is eroded. Maybe I could go punish, uh, maybe I could go punish Joe Biden in the form of voting against Democrats. But what are Republicans? And this is where the MAGA stuff starts coming in. Because where was the juice? Was the juice on inflation? Was the juice on crime? Was the juice in the Republican, you know, brisket? <laughs> There's a, you know, was the gravy in the Republican brisket crime? And, no, it was January 6th and election denial. That they Carrie Lake, who is probably gonna lose. Carrie Lake. I mean, you can't tell me there isn't a systemic polling failure when you look at what happened in Arizona. Well, she was up by, well, no, because maybe there was. Okay, I, I'm not going to, we I, look, there may have been places where there was a systemic polling failure. 
New York Times Sienna got it, said she was not winning. Okay, can I? All right. Yeah, so can ahead. I okay, go get ahead. some runway to do what to like talk about yeah. where this leaves yes. us? Because yes. I have a, a whole yes. theory of everything here. We're it's back to the future. We have hopped in the DeLorean and we are back in February of 2021. Yes. We have all all of that. You know, all of those arguments are going to be held again. Republicans are now going to commit themselves to the exact same arguments we had then: repudiations of Donald Trump, Trumpism within the Republican ranks, relitigating the toxicity of election denial, maybe even talking about the direction of the party, whether in a zero sum contest about whether the party can survive as a working class vehicle fueled by uh, in- increasing amounts of Hispanics, but at the expense of affluent degree holding voters in the suburbs, which might not be a viable strategy. Democrats say goodbye to all those very gentle efforts to shove Joe Biden off the stage. He's going nowhere. He beat back historic headwinds, beat historical precedent. He's earned deference from his party and he's going to get it. Every every Democrat who is bold enough to say this party has moved a little too far left for the country is going to face irresistible pressure to stifle. And they will. Okay. All the issues. Hang on. All the issues that animated this election are frozen in amber until 2024. We expect a recession in 2023. Inflation isn't getting any better. There will be no effort to relitigate crime and punishment on the state level. All those DAs who are lax on crime are going to continue to be lax on crime. No COVID reckoning. No parents revolt. All that stuff has to wait another two years. And the next two years will be dominated, at least the next several months will be dominated by an internal debate within the GOP over the direction we can face uh, moving forward. And it's going to center on the two versions of Ron DeSantis, which are compatible. They exist okay, in the wait. same corporate corporeal okay. form, but it's the exact same debate we had in February 2021. No, let's, what do, let's do your voters. thing. Let's do your thing. We're in the DeLorean and it goes back to February 2021 or, or mid-January, whatever, 2021. The eternal return. What happens in Back to the Future, right? Something happens that changes the future for the better. So what would that be in the present? Come back to the present. You're Marty McFly. You come back to the present. And Republicans have just won a tsunami. What has to happen? And Abe, think think this through. What would have had to have happened? What would have to happen if you get in the DeLorean and go back to January, February 2021 to create the conditions under which when Marty McFly gets back in the DeLorean and comes back to November 9th, 2022 that he comes back and the world is different and joe biden is humiliated and uh and uh you know republicans have won 40 seats in the house and eight seats in the senate uh, i'm sorry i'm confused i don't know <laughs> okay I missed it. no impeachment and removal of donald trump we were all up until four in the, the impeachment and the removal of removal. donald trump Removal. It had yes. to have been. What did removal. McConnell do? Repeach, what remove, was McConnell's original hope. sin? Yes. Bar McConnell from said, office. "I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. He's not. Uh, he's not president anymore. Anyway, they thought every moment. Now I don't know that I'm right about this. Every moment from jet from November when Trump started denying the election until yesterday, every moment that uh, you know the wise men of the Republican Party could have created a phalanx that said, this man is lying about our elections. He is trashing our democracy. He is trying to brainwash people into believing things that aren't true. And he summoned a mob to attack the Capitol. 
he is not our leader. He must be repudiated. They didn't do that. But I don't know if it would have worked. The Republican electorate wanted Trump, state after state. The Republican electorate wanted Trump and the Trumpians. That's the story of 2022. In states where Republicans could have prevailed. But it's a misapprehension Trump to say that they, they... Pat Toomey out of Pennsylvania. Pat Toomey would have walked into re-election. Pat Toomey quit the Senate because he could not bear to be in this position in which people in his own party and the putative leader of his party were trying to destroy him. But it's not just the affect and it's not just the owning the libs and it's not just the, you know, conservatives, conservative tears. It's not just that. It's that they think that's a recipe for victory. And when it doesn't materialize in victory, the argument gets a little thin. I don't even know if it's a, if they think it's a recipe for victory. Let me put it this way. Uh, Mastriano, did the people who, who, who voted Mastriano in as, you know, in the Republican primary or Bolduc or Carrie Lake or Blake Masters, were they thinking this is really the, this is actually the secret sauce to winning in November? No, they didn't. That was never their appeal. Political parties, right, are vehicles for winning elections. When they get confused about that, when you're the Democrats in the 1970s, and you become kind of a tribune for an anti-American culture war, you lose the thread. People stop wanting to vote for you. You're I... saved for a little while by Watergate, and then it comes right back 24 years, aside from the Carter Interregnum. Democrats did not hold the White House for 24 years, except for one, the post-Watergate the, the post election. Um, but John, and I I, let me just finish my my thought here because I I just want to get it back to the present. Go ahead. Back the Republican the Party became the party of Trump, a, a cult of personality party, and the idea was, we're not here to win elections. We're here to express our thoughts about how what we're like, and what Trump is like, and how you stink. You're in my party, and you stink, and I want to crush you like a bug. Carrie Lake this weekend. It, in a tight election, at a rally, said, is there anybody here who likes John McCain? John McCain, the dominant Republican figure in the state of Arizona, for 40 years before his death, or like 35 years before his death. And a great okay? man. Okay. And a great, a great man. man. <laughs> but let's say you don't like his politics. Let's say you don't like, let's say you're sick of him or something like that, right? The dominant, but like he, he won election after election and he would have won. He died, as, you know, in the Senate, right? He died of a, of a glioblastoma. She says, get the hell out of here, Abe. But I don't know why you are, are so sure they didn't think, that, Carrie Lake included, this kind of thing would win. Trump was atrocious to John McCain. While McCain was alive and a hero and a and a towering figure in the Republican Party. And he won and Trump won after doing so. I think they I think it was a combination of we're going to tell you how we feel. We're going to tell you what we want. We're going to tell you why you suck and we're going to beat you while we're doing it. I think they have always thought that. 
By the way, and the culture war thing, I mean, this is a more complicated point. DeSantis, in his own way, is a tribune for the culture war. Um, that does that can work. And that's that's the point that I wanted to make is because these two guys exist in the same body, <clears throat> they're compatible. But what you choose in, to in emphasize DeSantis's is body, not yes, in Trump, because DeSantis. yes, in, in DeSantis's the body, the culture warrior and the winning well, politician. And there's it, that is not between to the say paradoxes of time travel and shared <laughs> bodies here. I'm I'm, 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 I'm I'm having a hard time. The sci-fi <laughs> political hour. It's very sci-fi. But yeah, because that doesn't that doesn't mean uncontroversial. There's banalities that have made Ron DeSantis a very popular figure, like property insurance reform. There's very controversial things that have made him a very popular figure, like education reform. There's the so-called don't say gay bill. Very popular. Bipartisan popularity. You can press the right buttons and still be a popular, effective governor. What you can't be is the guy who's throwing sticks at Disney and just looks not effective because you that's can't not effective. only be the guy who throws sticks. Yeah, I was going to say some you people can, also can like the guy that. Who throws it's a question of emphasis. And as governance. long as you've done the property tax reform. Right. Well, but see, that's so that's where I think that this is where the churn that we're going to see in the next few months among the GOP, uh, powerful GOP folks about Trump is just that question, because Trump and Kerry Lake and a lot of his other candidates, Mastriano, they just want what I think Noah has long and consistently pointed out, the grievance. They enjoy the grievance culture. They embrace the grievance culture. They are the victims of every elite, you know, this, that, and the other. And they really don't have a plan for governance. They don't have to yet. They're not in power. But for, I think, a lot of these Republican voters, what DeSantis does is thread that needle. He he takes people on, he defends his record, but he also governs. He just governs. That's what's missing. And I think okay. there's plenty of people on the left who want that from their leaders too and aren't getting it. I want to go back to Carrie Lake. I'm sorry, because I want to go back to Carrie Lake, because here's the point. Carrie Lake is there last night to win an election in Arizona. That means she gets 50% plus one vote or some version of that, right? She doesn't have the she doesn't have the latitude to say get the hell out of here if you like John McCain. She needs every single person who liked John McCain to vote for every person that she can get who liked John McCain. A rational politician says, I would like that person to vote for me. You don't say, I don't want you to vote for me. Charlie Crist did that in Florida. Charlie Crist said, I don't want anyone who voted for DeSantis to vote for me. That's insane. That is but deranged. They, they, but, but that's the thing is like they have mistaken what the job is, which is to win the election. And then you right. can do, you know, then you've got some time to do what you right. want. They, it, right. they, there's a performative aspect to a lot of these candidates. And Carrie Lake is a perfect example of one who, I mean, she's, she comes from TV, right? All, a lot of the picks that Trump had in this, in this midterm election were TV personalities, the kind right. of people who he admires, who he, it's right. the world he comes from, it's the world he knows, it's the world he did win on, as Abe said earlier. But it's not transferable to a lot of these people at a time. And I don't think people are setting aside crime and the economy and immigration. I think they just think none of these idiots are going to have an answer to this. Right. And I just well, might as well stick with this horse. <laughs> right now, again, let's go back to the 2016, not in the time machines. Forget forget the time. I thought that was fun. Well, I like the I, DeLorean. I Bring can, back look, the DeLorean. We didn't get much sleep last <laughs> night. So we don't, you know, so I, maybe I, I, I went too far. But let's go back. To the period between the election, 2016, Trump wins, shocks everybody, you know, most most um, most amazing political stunt in American history in some ways. And there he is sitting there. And I think we all knew, we all said two things. One is 
he actually does, there's a possibility here, a window in which he can reshuffle the American political deck if he does heterodox and complicated things. You know, if he goes and makes a deal on immigration, or even though he was so hardline immigration, or figures out a way to build the wall, but that also saves healthcare, or something with Schumer on infrastructure. That was the big one, right? Bring Schumer and Democrats in and does something on infrastructure. That's what Steve Bannon said, like, we're going to do this and we're going to rule for 100 years. And Trump didn't do it. We don't know why he didn't. And then he sabotaged the Republican effort to overturn Obamacare because he said you need to overturn Obamacare and have the replacement for Obamacare in the same bill. And Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, said, here's how we want to do it. We're going to overturn Obamacare, and then we're going to have a two-year period in which Obamacare remains in place while we develop the process that it replaces it. So it's going to sunset. We're going to end it with a sunset. And by the time we get to the sunset, we will have a new thing in place because we don't have it now. And Trump said, no, do it all now. I demand that you do it all now. Right? Why am I ranting about this? Because politics is about winning elections. <laughs> And making coalitions, and their coalition has to get larger and not smaller. And particularly in the case of Trump, which he really didn't realize, which is that every election cycle, the electorate, every presidential election cycle, the electorate gets bigger. He wins by losing three million votes, you know, while while being behind three million votes nationally, and he wins with three states. And it's like he needs more people to vote for him in 2020 than voted for him in 2016. The only way you can avoid that, Bush got 22% more votes in 2004 than in 2000, you know, with a, with an even election. And he only won with Ohio, even, even despite that. The only person who was able to have fewer votes was Obama because his, his margin in 2008 was so huge 9 million votes, he got 70 million votes, more votes than anyone had gotten by a factor, by, by 10% than anyone had ever gotten before him. And he lost 4 million votes off his total and still won 51-47 with 360 electoral votes, right? So he managed to shrink it, but that's only because his margin was so large. Trump begins by threading this bizarre needle in the three states and then proceeds to shrink his electoral coalition, not grow it insulting independent voters instead of pulling them in, screwing himself by being so insane about COVID rather than being stalwart about COVID. What happens when the Trumpians, after he loses, come in to run? They follow the, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it harder for you to vote for me by being such a jerk. I'm going to be a horrible jerk and say, if you don't agree with me in the Republican coalition, go screw yourself. Mastriano did that. Bolduc did that. Lake did that. They all did it. They said, screw you. You voted for John McCain. I don't want your vote. Well, congratulations, Carrie Lake. You know, 40,000 McCain voters didn't vote for you. You're going to, you lose. Congratulations. You told them to go blow and they blew. Like, and this is the national story of these guys, I think. Um, okay, I'm going to calm down.
It's just like, it's like politics 101. In 2012 or whatever, Jim DeMint, the late unlamented senator from uh, one Carolina or the other, and then the idiot head of the Heritage Foundation until he was blown out of the wall by that because he's such a moron, said, I'd rather have 30 great Republican senators than 60 rhinos. And you know what to say about that? Go back and be a car dealer. You He's idiot. even worse at math than we are, is what to say to that. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not politics. Like, fine. Look, we're intellect. We're part of a conservative movement. Conservative movement, we don't like ideas we don't agree with. We want to push them out and all of that. The Republican Party, parties are not, are not in intellectual or ideological movements. They are vehicles for winning elections that attach themselves to certain intellectual tendencies and groupings and coalitions. That's what they are. And what Trump did, and what is so amazing about what Trump did, is that he turned the Republican Party, which had already had this confused problem of confusing itself with the conservative movement, into a cult of personality. So it was not only you had to be pure on whatever someone said were conservative issues, but you also had to be pure and feel and have show fealty to him. Um, and that, yeah, go ahead. I, I think a lot of this attitude, and I think why I do believe they thought they 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 this was a winning strategy had to do with a response to Romney's loss, right? Which was all about the, 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 the recriminations were, this is what happens when you're not bold. That was the, that was the take. Don't try to be likable because they're going to demonize you anyway. And they'll hate you and you lose and you won't, and you won't be, you won't be stating your case. You won't be making the case for the right anyway. Uh, we're never going to make that mistake again. Uh, that was a huge part of this. That that I that there was we're we're not going to go what they perceived to be the Romney route again in terms of demeanor, in terms of attitude, in terms of appeal. I will say that if there's an indication that the the Republican voting base is 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 willing to move on from this, it's kind of a roundabout way. Um, it's the degree to which uh, Republicans re responded to exit polls, preliminary exit polls. Caveats abound, notwithstanding, but still really substantial margin Republicans, Democrats alike said they had no concerns over how their local elections would be conducted. None. The legitimacy of this result might be retroactively conditioned into Republican voters, but isn't there today. And so the idea here that they can ex there will be an attempt just to massage the egos of Donald Trump and everybody else who are taking it on the chin today to say there was some sort of hinky thing going on here. Um, but the audience for that is right now ex extremely narrow. And because it is taking place in lieu of an argument about how to win over a majority of voters, um, I just think it's going to have a much smaller appeal than it had previously. Well, a lot of those aggressive candidates for things like secretary of state at the state level, the people who are in charge of vote counts and stuff, they lost a lot of the, the election denier candidates that Trump was supporting that that, you know, wanted to have the control, I think actually did legit want to kind of try to find a way to manipulate future elections. They lost. You're right. The, lo the voters looked at that and said, no, we want competence. We're looking for competence. We're not looking for paranoia. Yeah. We're not looking for grievance. We just want people to do their job. Yeah, not just the universe of of <clears throat> all voters, which obviously, if it's John saying that's your job to appeal to fifty plus one, but you know that hardcore Republican primary voting base, um, 
there's if we didn't start out, you know, everybody kind of forgets that Donald Trump prepped the beaches for an election, a stolen election narrative in 2016, weeks before the vote in 2020, months before the vote. It takes a lot of conditioning to get you to that place. There was no conditioning here. It's not manifesting in the polls. There's going to be if there's an effort to, you know, again, retroactively kind of in, incept that idea in voters, it's going to take a lot of work. And I just don't know if there's an audience for it much less the appetite to do that. Let's talk about bubbles because um, Trump, not only Trump, Trump had a weird set of circumstances, particularly in 2020, that made his argument superficially plausible, right? New forms of voting were being introduced because of, because of COVID. It had never been done before. Drop boxes, you know, drive-bys, mail, bleh, whatever, drop, drop things off and all this. And, and and uh, for 20 years, Republicans or 16 years, really, Republicans have been worried about voter fraud, particularly in inner cities, for good reason. There were there were there were substantive, you know, allegations of voter fraud in Philadelphia and Milwaukee in particular in 2000. There were there's a lot of stuff going on. Cities, of course, historically famously corrupt when it comes to vote counting in municipal elections since the dawn of the republic. Um so he had a superficially plausible case that something weird was that there might be weird stuff going on, but now it's 2022 and they're not trying Carrie Lake may think she's Trump, but she's not Trump. And in a, at a state level election that is as close cute as this in, right? She's now, I think she's down two points or something like that. How likely is it that everybody that, you know, voted for Carrie Lake? I mean, maybe if you live in a rural, you know, if you really live, you know, in a rural community, but I think it's plausible that a couple of people at your church, you know, more than a couple of people at your church whom you kind of like voted for, um, uh, Katie Hobbs, you know? And so, and you know, maybe should they vote for Katie Hobbs? So, you know, someone who voted for Katie Hobbs talk about in just an utterly one by uninspiring in vanilla, just step on rake every time you you put a microphone in front of her that she won despite this you know incendiary personality an effervescent personality who can talk extemporaneously um with ease and fluency that's really genuinely impressive that she bit the dust compared to katie hobbs this so unimpressive well, candidate she hasn't bit the dust yet like they, they haven't called that race yet so i want to be a little careful but if she if she prevails, she prevails by the skin of her teeth. Um, but let okay now I promised I said we were going to spend like half the podcast talking about Trump and the Trump record, and I'm now going to propose a theory. And now Abe, I'm going to propose a theory to you, and it's not going to be overly complicated. Um, Noah wrote a piece November 2020, December 20. It was in our December 2020 issue, the response to the November election 2020 which we call all our punished, right? That's one of the last lines in Romeo and Juliet. It's what the Duke says after, after Romeo and Juliet are both dead, um, in which uh, you laid out how uh, the election neatly excised Trump, uh, voters excised Trump, but this bizarre 14-seat Republican triumph in the House simultaneously was a way of saying, whoa, 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 Democrats, don't you think that we're just handing the reins of power 
to you. We're not handing the reins of power to you. We we want Trump. This is an election about Trump. We want him gone, but we want you blocked, right? All are are punished. So uh, then the Georgia runoff happened and contingency took over. And the weirdness of that and the fact that Democrats then ended up, um, you know, with control of the Senate, with a 50-50 Senate, and then decided to go for broke with all of this legislation, that 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 changed things. Um, but they excised Trump. And then Trump came back in zombie form in the form of Mastriano and uh, in Pennsylvania, who really is just like a baby Trump. Oz, who isn't really a Trump, but he is, who is Trump's choice. Bolduck, who was a baby Trump in in uh, Carrie Lake, who was really a baby Trump. Blake Masters, who is some kind of Trump, but crazier than Trump. And Herschel Walker, who is his, you know, chosen emissary in, in Georgia. And uh, what happened? Oh, and and the Secretary of State candidates that that uh, that uh, Christine mentioned. It's like precision drone strikes took out the Trumpians, with the exception of J.D. Vance, who was in a rock-ribbed red state and won exactly the same eight-point percentage that Trump won. Um, they were taken out, or at least like very close to being taken out, all over the place. Uh, including in house races uh, and 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 stuff like that. Lauren Boebert may have lost her seat in Colorado. We don't really know that yet. State legislative level is actually pretty interesting. There are places like Michigan where um, Democrats will have a trifecta for the first time yeah. in 40 years. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as Christine said, Secretary of State's races, uh, AG races, prosecutorial races, yeah. Uh, all the stuff that doesn't make national headlines, but that all seem to cut in one direction and against election denying. I mean, there's a, there's, we can't dance. It's it's not Dobbs. No, it's not. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Here's what's interesting. Christine, you said, and uh, Dana Bash on CNN said last night, look at all the issues people are talking. No one's talking about election denial. It wasn't even in the top five issues. This election well, was democracy. about election they were, democracy, they were using democracy, democracy as a, yeah, they were as a different euphemism. euphemism no, but yeah. no, but it right. still wasn't in the top ten. Well, it still wasn't in the top five. But see, this is where poll. I this is where I think some of the polling questions and some of the the punditry around them doesn't doesn't capture what people what voters were actually feeling. So if you're worried about inflation and crime and and all the stuff that people are legitimately and understandably worried about. And you look and your options are a Democrat who's either denying your worries or telling you, oh, it's fine. It's fine. You're overreacting. This is, you know, there's it's not gotten worse. And then but, you know, whatever. This is someone who's not completely crazy. They're just kind of a wildly partisan for your taste. And then you look at the Republican who says, let's go back and look and dispute an election that's already over. Let's not even talk about the things you're worried about. And and let's get really angry and let's, you know, and and they they use all kinds of coded language for undermine actually undermining the process and all this. You're going to you're going to stick with the horse you're on, even though. And this is where I think the Democrats are at great risk and Biden in particular is at very high risk of totally misinterpreting what this midterm election meant. It, this is not an endorsement of Democratic governance at all. 
But I do think it's a very, as as you as Noah said, it's a very precision striking message about election denialism and about relitigating old battles with an old man who is going to continue to do that. And let's not forget that in the couple of days right before this election, Trump was making all kinds of noise again. Oh, maybe I'll announce tonight. He was going to rallies. He was being Trump. And this is the beginning of a pretty I hope strong rejection of that. Just people are we're sick of it. We've been sick of it for a long time, but even right. his voters with hey. these losses are sick of it. Yeah. I I continue to think this wasn't about, isn't about threat the threat to democracy. Maybe I'm dug in on this point, but I think it relates to the threat to democracy in that in their antics, what these Republican candidates have been about that get and that that has been um that has contributed to the threat to democracy story they have produced a brand that is weak and infantile and eccentric and obnoxious and just totally distasteful that is what it's about i don't i don't know that it is about this existential um threat to the country that people see i think they just look at these at this party and at these people and say god no absolutely yes that's, that's right. a good point yeah. well and that's put. why we well missed put. it that's why Dem- that's why everybody missed it because democrats were misidentifying misdiagnosing the problem it's not about that is a very that's well a very because they'd have to be point. self-critical to diagnose it properly and they're yeah, not yeah. they're not there no, yet but i mean that is a very important point right which is that you know oh you know this could be weimar germany the even the talk that this is could be Weimar Germany misses the point. One of the reasons that this stuff was noxious to the American people, and I'm now going to say this like flatly, is Trump was shitting on the United States of America. We stink. Our system is we're ruined. We're done. You know, that's it. If I'm not president, this whole place is going to hell. I should have won. You know, the system is rigged against me. No, no, no. America, you're all idiots. You know what? People live in this country. They like this country. It's not just that Democrats need to watch out for their unpatriotic, you know, distaste uh, for America and its origins and everything like that. Trump succeeded in catching a bad mood, an American bad mood in 2016, really seriously. And the fact that it was being ignored by the entire elite was a real thing. But this game, since for two years now, of talking down the American system by saying that we we are not free, people are stealing what's rightly ours and taking, and this does not comport, I believe, with most people's understanding of what life is like here. They like America. Trump doesn't like America and those disgusting MAGA people don't like America. And I'm sick of that. We've been talking about this for six years now. Like, this is no joke. This guy is a cancer on, in, on the body politic. And the body politic has now been rejected. It's now three elections in which the body politic said, will you listen to me? Get this thing out of my system. I, I gave you 40, I gave Democrats 40 House members in 2018. I gave I gave this senile idiot from Delaware the presidency. 
And now in total contravention of all historical record, I have ended the wave because I'm trying to get your attention and tell you to get this guy out of here. Okay, so let's talk about where the Republicans are. And I, ju- I just want to add to that just quickly. Sure. 2018 and 2020, obviously, were before the threats to democracy stuff. Right. right. And we've been ta- we were talking about that all for the last six weeks, right? Except for the threat to democracy that was represented as, as you know, by Trump preparing the groundwork in 2016 when he said he wasn't sure he would, you know, he would concede to Hillary if he lost. I mean, as you say. Noah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. So, uh, so last night on my way to to bed at like two in the morning. I was beginning to forecast where the Republican Party goes and uh, preview yet another episode of the debate between you know the uh, the the virtues of provocativism, being provocative and being prudent. Uh, uh, and you know, um, my friend, very astute analyst over at National Review, Michael Brandon Doherty, jumps out at me and says, you know, let's not retcon Ron DeSantis here. It's not like he's he's this you know club for growth institutionalist. He came in. As a MAGA guy, he, uh, you know, he he flipped tables, he knocked down pillars, and uh, you know, it would be wrong to 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 misrepresent him in that way. He's right to a degree, um, because I, I don't I think what he might be getting at is the idea that we're going to have some relitigation of uh, Jeb Bush style conservatism versus you know, MAGA style populism. That's over. That debate is settled. It's been settled for years. Um, what I anticipate is. Um, the the degree to which affectation and style and being prickly um, is a drag on your political prospects. And it really is just about affect. Um, and do Republican voters reject that affect because they see it as an electoral drag? Maybe they do for right. 10 minutes in the wake of this election, but it over the course of a primary fight, especially a presidential primary fight, affect wins out. Voters can choose, go however they wish, right? So in a Republican primary, a voter, a Republican, this is what we're going to learn now over the next two, you know, uh, let's say 16 months. There'll be special elections. There always are. You know, there'll be weird 2023 elections. I don't even know what they are in places that are off cycle. And then there'll be a primary. And then we will, and then voters, Republican, voters are interesting. They'll go where they wish. Nothing is resolved the, by this election. No, all, right, all the, they, right. the, the the parade of horribles that were supposed to deliver Republicans a really good night are just going to be there forever. Now, do Republicans own some of it as a very tiny minority party in the House? Yeah, probably. But Democrats are just going to have to eat right. even more compounding conditions than the one they, they that presented this, right. you know, this, the obstacles they faced this year. Right. But the, but I think the point is that we're now going to have a test case about whether or not the Republican Party is 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 a parties don't die. But the Republican Party could be going into. The, where the Democratic Party was from the 1970s to the 1990s. In other words, Trump, imagine Trump as a McGovern who unexpectedly wins. OK, Trump is McGovern. He unexpectedly wins instead of loses. But guess what? Because he is president for four years, the Democrats, you know, uh, the Trump Republic, you know, McGovern, the Democrats don't win again for 20 years. So McGovern wins instead of loses. Trump won in 2016. 
if the party keeps going this way with every piece of, indi- of evidence we have that the larger electorate does not want what it's selling, um, then it will be in the wilderness for 20 years. Maybe it'll, you know, it'll, 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 it'll maybe they'll run the house with the before seat majority. So there'll be divided government. I mean, there was a divided government when Republicans were the dominating party from the 70s to the 90s. Democrats held the House the entire time. Their policy preferences did not, were not advanced by anybody except courts nationally for 20 years. We, that could happen. It's not the Republican Party will die. There will always be a Republican Party. It will win in the, it will win in the red states. You know, there's the big sword, all of that. But this is the this is the question. Well, this is, is where the re- yeah the Republican leadership, the non-Trump Republican leadership, right now has some very difficult choices to make. I mean, McConnell was right about candidate quality; he should be given credit for that. McCarthy is a disaster for constantly bending the knee to Trump. They actually they have to show some leadership. I mean, that's why DeSantis won with such enormous margins. He showed some leadership and some independence from the Trump wing of the Republican Party. Look, Okay, I think, so let's go. Yeah, go, Abe. Sorry, I, I just think, and I'm really looking forward to seeing if 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 I'm correct about this. I think you're going to see non-Trump figures in the GOP no longer try to thread the needle between the the Trump faction and the and the yeah we know this is a little crazy uh, 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 faction. I think it's going to be they 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 are absolutely going to lean more heavily on the Trumpists. Um, they are not going to be mealy mouthed about it anymore. There is zero political utility. In He's a loser. So. He is yeah. a loser. He is I an albatross. All this was I don't know self evident in twenty twenty and twenty twenty one. Sometimes you have to learn the lesson this... more than once. Yeah, you need. Yeah, you 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 need yeah. Hiroshima or... and Nagasaki. You know. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. I mean, or well, but, we had I mean, Hiroshima, if Nagasaki, and then I don't know Osaka. That's so you okay, have. If we don't like the know, DeLorean, so it's a wonderful life. Either way, you're going back and reliving the exact same things you did before. And what do you do? You do the same mistakes again. You make the same mistakes. It really again. could have. That's why I'm saying voters are going to tell us here because we can talk about the political leadership. And I think, as I say, if I want to go back to my DeLorean time machine thing that confused Abe, my idea was imagine a world in which. Uh, the entire Republican leadership in the United States stood up at a big meeting like, you know, like hands across America and said, uh, Trump is disgusting. This is disgusting. We can't stand it. We can't abide it. Would they have survived that? Because it's not that they can do whatever they want, but then they have to face the voters. Well, everybody said that in in the well of the Senate in January of 2021, right? And then what happened? And then they the heard House, from yeah. their constituents. Yeah, sure. They learned it was and a losing they message. heard from their constituents. And what happened this year, right? Peter Mayer lost or resigned or whatever the hell he did. And now that seat is a Democratic seat. Um, you know, Liz Cheney lost in a primary. Everybody who stood up to Trump logistically, uh, most of the senators who voted for impeachment, right, are gone, are they? Toomey retired. Romney is still there, right? But um, was it 10? I can't remember how many voted for impeachment. 10 in the House. Was it 10 in the House? I can't. Anyway, I, I can't remember what the numbers were. But basically, like, you know, they were all punished. And they weren't. They were punished by their constituents. 
So we can talk about how the leadership needs to do this and the leadership. Needs well, heads that. need to yes. roll. McCarthy should not be the speaker of the House. Yeah, but someone, Scaly, someone goes, else should. He's replaced yeah. by a Trumpist. Yeah. Well. If McCarthy goes, Steve Scalise or Jim Jordan will be speaker of the House. McCarthy is less ideological than they are. I mean, that that's the joke here. If McConnell mm-hmm. somehow goes, who replaces him? Is he I'll replaced by what? Okay, maybe Jonathan. Okay. <laughs> he's all, he's all right. Okay, no, ever. I'm just saying, like, like the Republican electorate is are the people who need to, if they want their views to prevail, they're going to have to make peace with the fact that this seduction, this this bad boyfriend, you know, with whom they have great makeup sex all the time, <laughs> is actually. Okay, we have to block that metaphor immediately because okay. we were sorry. talking about Donald right, Trump. But let's go with the bad boyfriend. The boyfriend that runs hot and cold and whatever it is, is like bad for you and you're addicted to him or whatever. The crazy ex-girlfriend, doesn't matter, you know, the crazy girlfriend or the bad boyfriend. I don't care Okay, which, but- which thing, but they have to break up with him or their or their lives are going to be crap. And I- that's what we need to see here. I agree. And I like the metaphor. And I will extend it um, by saying uh, what happens in such cases? Time heals all wounds. You see, after 2020, it was too close to the to the to the honeymoon. It was too close to the great rebound guy. We have a rebound guy waiting for us. No, but that's the question. Is the rebound guy a rebound guy or is he the second husband? That's the question, right? That's the that's the ultimate. Right. Is he Ralph Bellamy? Is he the guy in the His Girl Friday who isn't Cary Grant? Uh, who isn't like the sexy but incredibly impossible Cary Grant, but he's like the stolid insurance salesman from Albany that you marry and then go to Albany and, you know, like live in Albany with your boring insurance salesman husband. It is, save us from it going is different. deeper in the domestic violence uh, metaphors. No. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, that's we, a screwball comedy metaphor. That's not a domestic violence <laughs> metaphor. Fair enough. So I was just being woke. Um <laughs> The there, you know, it's that's not all. We should talk a little bit about Democrats because it's not all bad news for the GOP. Um, and it's not just Florida. What happened in New York last night was seismic, New York State, utterly seismic. The shift, we need the to shift in the vote why. in New York across yeah. the board, upstate, downstate, everywhere to the right was profound. Wasn't enough to carry Lee Zeldin over the top, but it's probably enough to deliver three, four House seats to the GOP. A lot of down-ballot races. And, you know, that tells you a little bit of something about what Democrats are going to face two years from now if they make no changes themselves. Listen, let's talk about let's talk about New York. So um, uh, very quickly, people were like, oh, you see, Zeldin's a denier and all of this. And they declared and, the, you know, Hochul was declared the winner pretty early Polls closed at nine. I think she was probably declared a winner at 10 or something like that. And then the vote kept rolling in. It turned out that like NASA, there are three, three biggest counties in the country in, in the state. Brooklyn is the largest. Nassau is the second largest. Suffolk is the third largest. Brooklyn was Hochul by 43. And that's what made the difference. That that that's the, you know, basically, you know, 600,000 people voted in Brooklyn. It was a 43-point margin for Hochul. She's now up by four hundred thousand votes. That's basically how she how she prevails. Suffolk and Nassau, which are very swingy, uh, though I think Suffolk went for Trump, but Suffolk and Nassau went 
11 and 17 points for Zeldin. Um, and, you know, it's like he ended up losing by five in a state that in the last election, Andrew Cuomo won by 23. And before that, Cuomo won, won his election by 13. And Zeldin lost this by recording, five. With 92% of the vote in, in Erie County... Kathy Hochul's up that's, by two tenths of a point, and that's her home that's county, Buffalo. That's her home county. That's what she represented, Erie County, in the Congress. Zeldin so won it, Dutchess County. Zeldin won Orange County, Rockland yeah, County. Yeah. Anyway, it's a fat. It's a fascinating result. It is epical, and it is literally Zeldin's margin is what will, you know, I mean, it's not his margin will carry them, because uh, it could be the reverse. But I mean, these if, if New York. The Republican majority in the House, if it happens, will happen because Republicans won these districts in New York. I mean, that's it's big. It's meaningful. I, I don't know how. And I, I will also say this for, you know, our New York listeners who are many of our listeners. She's in a lot of trouble. I mean, she won. Right. But um, nobody likes her. Uh, no one voted for her because they like her. And she really ran a terrible race and was a terrible candidate. And everything that we said was a blunder of hers was a blunder. She won for structural reasons, not for anything that she did. In fact, she gave Zeldin all kinds of openings. And do you so, think she's going to govern that way? Do you think she's going to or do you think she's going to misread her mandate? 2021. We're back to 2021. They're all going to misread the results. Think this is a profound mandate. Democrats won by default. You think? I don't know. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't think they're going to be able I think to they say, were well, we so won by default. We should really just be careful about how we govern. No. I think they're I think they're going to be, I think the 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 level of relief that they're going to experience is going to be profound. And um it is a really interesting question about whether or not they will look at this and say, oh, yeah, you know what? People really th think Biden is LBJ and let's do more. <laughs> let's pass more Inflation Reduction Acts. I mean, that could happen. But if the Republican Party doesn't look, if the Republican Party doesn't break its allegiance to Trump, they can pass Inflation Reduction Acts and win the presidency in 2024, including with with Biden basically, you know, like I say, Pennsylvania voted for a stroke victim. Like that that's never happened before because they were so they were so full of distaste for, you know, basically for a uh, for for a Trump aligned candidate. That's what the candidate quality uh, race was the starkest, right? Someone who was clearly who who has clear challenges ahead to actually fulfill the role of senator of his state still would beat the reality TV handpicked yeah. Trump guy. Like yeah. Well, the candidate quality is in two places. I mean, three, because I, I I think Masters is a terrible candidate. But Herschel Walker, right. Brian Kemp won by eight points. And Herschel Walker is like, you know, tied. So had it been a conventional Republican candidate, the Republican would have won. Trump came in, made it, and McConnell's like, all right, I'm not fighting you. We'll pick Herschel away. He's famous. You know, I mean, that's candidate quality right there. Pat Toomey, and then we get back to this, if Trump weren't such a monster and drove, you know, serious conservative politicians into retirement 
because they didn't bend the knee and they weren't going to spend two years, you know, they weren't going to spend the rest of their lives in some titanic struggle with this psychotic narcissist. Republicans that, that Republicans would have held that seat. Toomey would have held that seat. Well, and that this is and this this is again the you know they might stick with Biden in two years because the CBS exit polls on national favorable unfavorable uh, ratings. More than half the country still rates Joe Biden unfavorably, but they rate Donald Trump slightly more unfavorably. Not it's like fifty four versus sixty. It they're both kind of. I mean, I said this the other day, like a pox on both their houses. They're both unfavorably uh, experienced, but they'll still choose the Fetterman over the over the Oz in that race. I mean, they just okay. Win. So let's game out. Let's game out the next year in the Republican Party. Right, Trump was going to announce for president on Monday. We don't know his mind. We don't know where his head is. We don't know what he thinks. We don't know anything about, you know, I don't even care. I don't want to psychoanalyze him. You know, that would be interesting. You know, it's like he shows up at the party that he lit on fire and then says, hey, you know, let's all dance. I mean, so maybe he does that. Ron DeSantis I think we all know Ron DeSantis should be the Republican nominee, right? He went from uh, w- went from winning by half a point to winning by twenty points in a swing state that he has now decisively turned into a red state. We know that it's him and not. It's you know, an open secret. Christine flagged this that even at his victory party they were chanting hilariously two yeah. more two years. more years. years. Yeah. Everybody yeah. knows what's up. If yeah. he wanted to avoid a draft prior, mm-hmm. prior, I don't think he can now, even if he wanted to. Right. Okay. Listen. Here's why it's him, Rubio, right? Who actually won by a relatively yeah he did well last night too. Yeah. He did well, but he won I think by six or seven in uh, 2016. I think he won by 11 or 12. DeSantis got eight, outdistanced Rubio, like outperformed Rubio by eight points. So this wasn't just a Republican victory. This was a DeSantis victory in a state that decided the presidency in some ways for what for 12 years until it really decisively kind of became a red state um and now it's really a red state and he is it's the it's the third largest state in the country uh why would you pick trump because you're insane because he's the because he's the boyfriend that's bad for you or the husband that's bad for you but you don't know he's bad for you you know he's going to maybe I, I mean, it's not that you're the one who says i think i can change him or he's going to change you don't want him to change you just don't understand john he really loves us <laughs> i mean well, congrats okay. congrats to melania yeah. on renegotiating her most recent prenup cuz she was next to him when he cast his ballot this weekend i assume we'll be Fair next enough. to him next week for his announcement so. yeah I hope you got a lot of that deal. <laughs> I don't think he's going to announce. Really? See, we should. I, know, I look. First of all, you know he can. He he's a very you know. He would you? I mean, honestly. Well, there's a lot of things you're going to come in <laughs> having had every candidate that you backed lose. 
But he'll have some rationalization for that over the weekend. Sure. And then he'll, I mean, he loves to be the spoiler. Look, even if DeSantis gets the nomination, you could totally see Trump running as some sort of independent. I mean, it'd be hard for him to get on the ballot at that, you know, if he you waits. You already too see long, the but... rationalizations forming. Vance won, Laxalt won. These were nominated. Laxalt hasn't he... won yet. Oh, he probably was going to. But I don't know. John Ralston thinks he's not going <laughs> to. John Ralston thinks he's not going to win. John Ralston is the dean of the Nevada, you know, uh, political. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. It's Take not a my short thing, that but ball. he's been all over the map. So um, I don't, I, who knows, regardless. And there's rationalizations about what, you know, nobody wants the czar back. Nobody wants to return to the, to the bad old days of conservatism circa 2015. That's the argument. That's what they're going to say. They can say whatever they want to say, right? Trump has now lost three elections in a row and DeSantis won the house in 2014 and 2016, won the governorship in 2018, won the most decisive gubernatorial victory in the country in 2022, while the waves were breaking the other way, right, against the Republicans. I mean, because it's not only that he prevailed by 20 points, but in all of these other places, Republicans were struggling to maintain par. By the way, I mean, you could look and say Brian Kemp could be a serious candidate. I mean, that would be provocative, right? Because Kemp actually is the enemy of Trump. And that's another, by the way, another sign here, right? In a, you know, in a in a conservative swingy state because Biden won it, um, Kemp wins by by eight. Can, can we have a moment of celebration that both Beto O'Rourke and Stacey Abrams will now not be in our in our faces for the next few years? One hope one can only hope. I was glad to see both of them resoundingly rejected by voters. I, so I, it's, yeah, I, I have a question. I don't know the answer to it, but I think it, it, it may point toward um, the kind of picture that emerges on the right here. Um, will we see some emerging broadly supported campaign on the right that says these elections were fixed countrywide well this, carrie lake this, indicated that last night yeah carrie lake, 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 Car- lake, Car- lake certainly yeah um who, who will support this how far will this go how many claims nationally will, will will be made what kind of traction will it have see this at this point in the morning after election day 2020 they were already deep into crazy right. land. It's harder to nationalize these claims in these local, like in the in these state level elections. It's going to be harder for any of those candidates to get that kind of traction unless they get amplification from Trump himself, which he might go on board with. But I think long term, that's bad for him. Like that okay. just shows, you know. Okay, I'm a diabolical Democrat looking to sow chaos. Start funding I, those challenges. I funded yeah. Mastriano. I. Funded, you know, I funded all these guys. Hey, Dinesh D'Souza, here's two million dollars. Go make a movie make called Another 10, Mockumentary. Mules. <laughs> you know, hey, Mike Lindell, I'm gonna buy 20 million pillows, so you have lots of money to go file suits places. That is the easiest. That's that is what I would do. Yeah, yeah. Keep them crazy. Keep them crazy and keep them, as we now say, thanks to Corinne Jean-Pierre, keep them top of mind. Mm -hmm. Just keep, you know, it's like uh, 
It's like when you're when you're on your when you're on your uppers, right? And you don't have any money, and you go to your heroin dealer, and you know you say I don't have any money, so I guess I'm gonna go Our into metaphors rehab. Are like, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll here, here. I'll, I'll cuff you. Here, take some baggies. He doesn't want to lose the customer. Just keep that's feeding. That's not how drug dealing works. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not. You need you're to rewatch wrong. the wire. And not that I'm a drug dealer, <laughs> but I know. No, they would know. You, you like. You know, are you really like? Are you, you really what? I'll spot, I'll spot you a you couple. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a long-term relationship. We're lawnsmen, really. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I know it's hard for you. This is the point at which a real Republican uh, leadership would lace lace the baggie with you know fentanyl <laughs> or something like that's actually what the get them oh off my the God. national stage. Um, yeah. Okay, so this is uh, this is maybe the longest podcast we've ever done. I I could we could go on for uh, for 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 two more hours. We could be one of those like insane three and a half hour fanzine podcasts where they discuss one episode of House of the Dragon for four hours. But uh, Noah's got to go. So I fi- end question, final question. Um, does Ron DeSantis? have to wait till may through the end of the florida legislative session to throw his hat in the ring or conversely does somebody like yunkin throw his hat in the ring uh to 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 face off trump desantis waits until september gets in the race he raises a billion dollars in a week you know i mean no one, no one will raise money the way he will raise money instantly upon getting in the race. Maybe he waits. Maybe he flirts. Maybe he, you know, maybe he lets seize what's going to burn out. Anyone got any past thoughts? May? Uh, we'll pass into into autumn of next year. Yeah, I think the only person who announces before uh, autumn of next year would be Trump, uh, just because that's conventional. Well, Trump said he's going to announce on Monday. I just think, you know, I mean. I just he may have committed himself to it because now to not announce. Oh, come on. Come on. Remember the it's in two weeks. I'll do it in two weeks. We're about to release the border plan in two weeks. We're going to release yeah, our plan yeah, in two yeah, weeks. Yeah, he's on a he's on a what is that? I just learned this word reading uh reading to my children. Funambulist? Type what is walker? that word? I don't know that word. Oh, really? Yeah, Funambulist? Something along, something along those lines. Wow. Don't quote me, but I'm okay. trying to I'm trying to use it in a sentence because I want to make it mine. Um okay. it's yours. <laughs> but but he's on a tightrope and all eyes are on him. And he is he's uh-huh. less he's less room for error right. than he did before. And he senses it. He's got a horse sense about these things. He knows when he's when the, when his coterie is beginning to you know escape his orbit. So you think he's got to pull them back in fast? I would think so. Yeah. One yeah. grand futile gesture. <laughs> what is it? What that's what we need that's, is one yes. stupid futile gesture. <laughs> um anyway, it's a real time of testing in American politics. It's testing for Democrats not to not to get high on their own supply and see that their long range future is actually better served by not overreading these results, although you could say that they overread the 2020 results and the and the uh and and were not and did not suffer for it i mean it, let's let's be honest here right i mean they created the inflationary spiral with the spending and then they basically dodged the bullet last night i mean they didn't win you know they didn't 
but they they dodged a bullet that everybody thought they were going to have to take. And so maybe they go, you know, this is the way to do it. It's high risk. It's high stakes. But, you know, you get what you want and then you actually, you know, can go to the voters and say, look, we did all this stuff for you. We don't like it. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, whatever. <laughs> um, uh, or and so they they may know. And then the whole question of how the Republicans read this. And this is a incredible moral spiritual political and you know maturity test for the republicans who have spent six years in the sway or seven years in the sway of this psychotic boyfriend all right uh we'll be back tomorrow for abe christina noah i'm john pot keep the candle burning <laughs>